Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. We want to see you at our Hold Fast A Day in the Word conferences happening across Canada in 2020. There will be one in Halifax on June 5th through 6th, one in Calgary November 6th through 7th, and one in Winnipeg on November 13th through 14th. Visit our website to get more details and register now. Do you feel called to lead? Then you should attend our How to Lead a Precept Upon Precept workshop at our Precept Ministries Training Center in Brantford, Ontario on December 5th through 7th. Head to our website to register now. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth in our discussion on the book of Hebrews. Hello, everyone. It's Mark Sheldrake here, and this is another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast. Working through the book of Hebrews, and we're at the halfway point. We're on to episode six. We have uh, about five episodes left, I think. I hope, I pray, but Lord willing, we are making our way through the book of Hebrews. Uh, The last time we were together, we covered uh, a very heavy topic in looking at three different types of people and uh, this whole idea of falling away, and uh, I hope it, that came through clearly for each and every one of you, and this week we're looking at Jesus as the high priest. Uh, there's no greater time than for us to be looking at this. This is going to be the last episode that we have until the new decade, folks. Can you believe it? A new decade. And so uh, we'll be back in 2020 to Uh, finish the remaining episodes of the book of Hebrews and then looking forward to how the Lord will lead uh, through Unlocking the Truth podcast for the remainder of 2020. Let's commit our time together and then we'll dig in. Father, we pray for this time that we have together that uh, you'd bless it, that uh, you would use this technology uh, for the furthering of your kingdom, that people would be encouraged by what they're hearing uh, through Uh, these episodes. And Father, I ask that uh, you would speak clearly uh, using me as your vessel today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week, uh, we're looking at Jesus as the high priest. Uh, Chapter 4, we first see that Jesus is referenced as a high priest. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, that's Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are yet without sin. You just have to pause and stop there for a moment and just think on the truths of those verses that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, that he sits at the right hand of God, that this same high priest Uh, just as we were tempted, he was tempted, and yet he did not sin. Isn't that amazing? Look what he says, now let us hold fast to our confession. Hold fast, hold tight, be encouraged, run well, folks. I cannot wait. You know, as a runner myself, I cannot wait to get to Hebrews chapter 12. Run with your eyes fixed on Jesus. Hold fast to the confession. 
we have a great high priest who sympathizes with us. Well, this week we want to look closer at the high priest. We know from the Old Testament, we know that there was a priestly line, uh, the Levitical priests through the line of Aaron. We know in the book of Exodus that God set up through the law a way to approach a holy God. And that will be the topic of an episode uh, the next time we come together and we are going to ask, how do you approach a holy God? And we're going to look really close at the tabernacle and then we're going to compare it to Jesus. I really, really cannot wait to uh, share that with you. It was so exciting to share that very message with a group of teenagers uh, just a few weeks ago, and I had them all set up into the tabernacle. So that will be coming up very soon uh, in January. But we want to look at the priestly line now. So we have Aaron, uh, who was appointed um, to become a priest. We know that God... Uh, gave Moses instructions for how the priest should dress. This can all be found in the book of Exodus, that how they should be dressed. And then we see that um, later on, we see that they are actually consecrated and set apart for their priestly duties. But we know from the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 5, that we begin to lay out this priesthood that we have... Um, what the author is telling us for every chapter five, verse one, for every high priest taken from a man among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Here's your job, priest. You are taken from among men. You are appointed by men to take care of the things of God. You are there to offer sacrifices and gifts for sin. That's their job. They are to mediate between the people and God to make atonement for sin. This is all a part of the process of worship and how to approach a holy God. And so because of this, we're going to continue to learn more about the priests. So uh, they are appointed priests on behalf of men. They are men. And so they continue through verse 2. He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself is also beset with weakness. He is man. He is filled with error. And so therefore, um, he has to make sacrifices on his behalf before he can make sacrifices on behalf of others before God. He has to be in a good, great position before he can go before God and make sacrifices for others. Verse 3, And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins as for the people, so also for himself. Because he was born into a world filled with sin, he had an er inherited sin because his father Adam he too had to make sacrifices for himself and for others. He was not above the law, but he was a part of the law. It's also important to note that the priests, they had to collect a tithe from the people so that they had enough to eat and to buy whatever was needed. 
their main focus was to take care of the things of God, the things pertaining to God, the sacrifices, the taking care of the tabernacle and the temple and all of that. So that was their focus, and therefore they didn't have other jobs where they could make sure they had all the provisions, but they collected a tithe so that they would make sure that they had enough to eat. The other important thing to note is that there was more than one of them. The reason that there was more than one of them is because they would all die. They were not ones that would live forever. And because they would die, they had to be more than one. It's very interesting that just a few years ago when I was traveling to Israel, and I hope that you're listening out there and that you'll take the time to join us in Israel sometime. Uh, Precept is going to be celebrating 50 years in 2020. How exciting is that? And, and the Canadians are taking a tour with Kay and David as we go um, in May. How cool would it be to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Precept Ministries in Jerusalem? Well, that's a side note for you. So here you have uh, the very fact that we took this trip. And so we went to Petra in Jordan, and at the top of a mountain, there is a little white house. It looks sort of like, uh, from a distance, it looks like a big white box. They call that box Aaron's tomb. And so what they believe is that Aaron is buried in that tomb up at the top of the highest mountain closest to the heavens. But from all of that, we know that Aaron died. And because Aaron died, he was replaced. And so priests, as they die, they would be replaced because they're human. Humans filled with error who would die have to make sacrifices for not only themselves, but for the other people. That's what they would continually do. So now we come through to the next part of this passage where we begin to talk about Jesus and how he is much different than that priesthood. We come up across this uh, phrase that's repeated over and over, and it is according to the order of Melchizedek. Three times in chapter 5 and into chapter 6, you have Jesus being compared to the order of Melchizedek. Well, who is this Melchizedek? That's the thing that everybody wants to know. So everybody, uh, when we taught this passage and this uh, book of Hebrews in our precept offices just a few uh, months ago, and we taught it with our staff, and we taught it with uh, a regular class that meets here on Tuesday, you can see the smiles on their faces because they're hoping they're going to find out a whole lot more about who this Melchizedek is. Who's this Melchizedek that shows up in Genesis chapter 15? Who's this Melchizedek that comes and meets Abraham on the road? Who's this Melchizedek that blesses Abraham? Who's this Melchizedek that is according to the priestly line that lives forever. Well, everybody wants to debate who he is. Some believe that he's a theophany, that he is uh, Christ, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Some people believe that Melchizedek is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, they call that a Christophany, that others uh, hold him as a type of Christ. 
Um, the important thing is, is we want to go back. Good inductive Bible study students, they go back and they ask, what does the text say? And so that's what we're going to do, is we're just going to look at what the text says. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 7, where we begin to learn about who this Melchizedek is. For this Melchizedek, verse 1, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, stop right there. If you were writing a list, that's what you would do. You would say first that he is the king of Salem. Melchizedek, in his name, it means that he is the king of righteousness. Uh, he was the king of Salem, and the word Salem means peace. And so, first and foremost, we have that he is the most, he is the priest of the Most High God. And we also know that he was one who met Abraham, verse 1, as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings. And he blessed him. Abraham appointed a tenth part of all the spoils. Uh, was the first of all, uh, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness, also king of Salem, which means king of peace. Everything that we've just repeated and said. But you see, he, Melchizedek, came before the law. He came before the priesthood was ever put in place. So he was way back in the time of Abram. And so what we do know about him is that he was higher than Abraham. The reason he was higher than Abraham was he blessed Abraham. We also know that he was higher than Abraham because Abraham gave him a tenth or a tithe of all the spoil. Do you see that even in the uh, priesthood of Aaron, there was a collection of a tenth or a tithe so that they had what they could take care of. So here's Melchizedek, who is a priest according to God. And so now Jesus is compared to, he is the priest according, the high priest that is according to Melchizedek. We'll look at chapter 7, verse 3. It tells us more about Melchizedek. He's without father. He's without mother. He's without genealogy having neither a beginning of days or a, nor an end of life. What? Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the king of righteousness, uh, the place of peace, he has no beginning, he has no end, he has no genealogy, he lives forever. Well, that's different than the priesthood and the line of Aaron the ones who die, the one who has a tomb on the top of a mountain in Jordan. It's so cool. This is why so much discussion comes out of exactly who Melchizedek is, because he has no beginning, he has no end, he has no genealogy, he lives forever. The end of verse 3 says, But he is made like the Son of God. He remains a priest perpetually. No end. It's absolutely amazing that we can see this. He didn't become a priest on the basis of law or a genealogy, but according to an indestructible life. He wasn't appointed by men. He wasn't appointed from among men. He was appointed by God. Therefore, what we see through Melchizedek is that Jesus is much the same. He is appointed by God. He is a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. We see that it's the same order, that Jesus, he was appointed by God. He is a priest forever. And he's a priest forever according to the order 
of Melchizedek. So what is the author telling us here when he's comparing to Jesus to Melchizedek? What does the text say? Because we can get hung up in who this Melchizedek is, and we can go through all of these different theories and, and understandings, and we can talk about Melchizedek for hours. Is he or is he not a Christophany? Is he the pre-incarnate Christ in the Old Testament? How cool would that be? But what the author of Hebrews is telling us is that Jesus is a high priest, not according to the law, but he's appointed by God like Melchizedek is. This is what we want to pull out of this. So now we want to look at Jesus as the high priest. We want to do some comparisons with Jesus and Melchizedek. Well, let's go back and let's find out who is Jesus' earthly father. Well, he doesn't have one. The same way that Melchizedek doesn't have an earthly father. Uh, Jesus is not a Levi. He does not come from the line of Aaron. We know that both Melchizedek and Jesus were appointed by God. And they both have an indestructible life that Jesus lives forever. We want to pick up at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11. Now, if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it, the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be designated according to the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed of necessity, there takes place a change of law also. For one concerning whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from which no one has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, a tribe with reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning the priest. And this is clear still, if another priest according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become such not on the basis of law, a physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life. For it is attested of him, you are a priest forever according to Melchizedek. It's absolutely amazing what the author is telling us is that if the line of Aaron, if perfection came through that initial priesthood, there'd be no need for another priest. But we actually need Jesus. You see, in verse, in verse 20, he begins to bring out this idea of the better, starting in verse 18. For on one hand, there is a setting aside of the former commandment because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect, or on the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. A better hope of drawing near to God. This priestly line through Jesus that is uh, forever. Inasmuch, it is not without an oath. For they indeed became priests without an oath. But he with an oath through the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. So the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. The former priests on one hand existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing on. But Jesus, on the other hand, has become, he continues forever. He holds the priesthood for permanently. He is able to save those forever who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens, 
who does not need daily like those in the high priest to offer sacrifices for his own sins and for the sins of the people because he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints a son made perfect forever. Do you know what's so in here? There's so much information within this passage just in these final verses of chapter 7 about Jesus. He is the guarantee of a better covenant. He lives forever. His priesthood is permanent. He is able to save forever those who draw near since he continually and will always live to make intercession for those people. He is um, innocent. He's undefiled. He's separated from sinners. He's exalted above the heavens. He does not need daily like those of the priest to offer up sacrifices he doesn't need to offer sacrifices for himself first and then for the others he sacrificed himself for others because he was perfect he was without sin he never fell to the temptations that were before him he did it once he sacrificed once and for all it's absolutely amazing what we see about Jesus. Let me sum up the Levitical priests for you. In chapter 7, verses 23 and 24, former priests on one hand existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. There were many of them. Why? Because death stopped them from continuing on. 23 and 24 of chapter 7 also tells us they were temporary in 26 and 27, it's fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. Jesus didn't have to do that, but the priests, they had to offer up sins and sacrifices for themselves and for others daily. They offered up sacrifices and gifts and animals, the blood of animals, to cover sin. But listen to this. Listen to the comparison. And let me list out Jesus for you. Jesus is one priest. He's permanent. He's eternal. He's holy. He's innocent. He offers a sacrifice one sacrifice for others, not himself. It's one sacrifice for all, and he was it. Do you see the difference? Do you see how vital it is for us to understand Jesus as the high priest? It's absolutely amazing. Now, chapter 8 also talks about Jesus as the high priest. Now the main point, verse 1, and what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. A minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, not men. Oh, I cannot wait to get to the next episode when we look at the tabernacle. The earthly tabernacle compared to the heavenly absolutely amazing and it's going to be so exciting i want to do it now but we can't we got to wait 
You'll have to wait too till January. But look what it says in the chapter 8 where Jesus is. He's taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens. He is a minister. He is a priest in the sanctuary in the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not men. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices so it's necessary that this high priest also have something to offer. Now listen to this. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all since there are those who offer gifts according to the law who serve as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things just as Moses was warned by God that he was warned to erect the tabernacle. For see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown. Now let's look at chapter 8 and see what we learn about the high priest. We want to pull in just in the first verse. Now the main point in what has been said is this, that we have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, not men. You know, I cannot wait. I wish we could squeeze it all into this episode, but I cannot wait to walk through with you through the earthly tabernacle, the tabernacle that God instructed Moses to put together with all the pieces of the tabernacle, walk through that and then compare to the life of Jesus. That's going to be the episode that we cover next. I'm so excited about it that I won't want to jump ahead. But it's going to be great to look at the differences between that sacrificial system and what we have now. Oh, we should. We should just go, no, we can't do it. We can't, we can't do it now. But look where Jesus is. We have a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God in the majesty in heavens. A minister in the sanctuary in the true tabernacle, which is not pitched by men. The rest of chapter 8 that we'll come through talks about the better covenant and how Jesus brings in the better covenant, the better promise. And so we'll, we'll begin to cover that in the next few weeks. But I just want you to think about this for a minute. Compare the line of Aaron Daily going into the tabernacle. Daily making sacrifices for sins for themselves and for others. Daily. They were human. They made errors. They were temporary. They died. But Jesus lives forever. He is the priest forever. And don't you just wonder what he's doing sitting at the right hand of God? If he's the high priest and he's sitting at the right hand, isn't it great to know that he is mediating on our behalf? That he made one sacrifice for all and that when we come to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we repent of our sins and believe in the gospel message, that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that when we become true children of God, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and he says, that one is mine. They are mine because they have been washed in the blood of Christ. That through his one sacrifice that we can have peace with God. 
It absolutely is amazing to see how the Bible fits together. I can't help but think about this peace, especially at the time that we are heading into Christmas. God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. My prayer is that as we continue to walk through Hebrews, but as you take time over the holidays, that you have the opportunity to share the gospel message with those who so desperately need to hear it most. Right now in our town, we're in the midst of a homelessness crisis, something that we've never seen before. We have multiple shelters being built up and opened up for the number of people that are currently facing uh, the difficulty of not having a home. This past summer, we had just at the end of our street, we had one of the biggest homeless camps in our entire town. A tent city of people creating their own community. An opportunity to share the gospel with those that came in contact. And it's very interesting that as the homelessness crisis grows in our town, do you know who all the people have reached out to? All the city officials, they don't have answers. They can't figure out what they need to do and where to go and how to solve this problem. But they have reached out to the churches. They have reached out to the churches in the community to help meet the need. My prayer is that all of the churches in the organization step up, that they not only would provide for the needs that they have here now, but also that they would provide for those spiritual needs. Think about that as you head into the holiday season and all those people that might be around your dinner table that you be in contact with that so desperately need the gospel. May you be able to share about that great sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. May we stop and remember about the birth of Jesus Christ. That the very reason Jesus came to this earth was so that he could die and make atonement for sin. That he would be the payment that through his blood we could be at peace with God. This is absolutely amazing. He is our high priest. He is the one who lives forever. He's the one who's made the sacrifice and therefore now sits at the right hand of God and mediates for us. How great and a privilege it is to be called a child of God, washed in the blood of Jesus. May those in your family and those in your community come to know that. We all know that Christmas Eve and even services that are held on Christmas, the attendance goes up as people come and want to celebrate the birth of Jesus, I pray that the gospel message goes out, that lives are impacted, and more importantly, people get a hunger for God and the study of his word. May you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and we'll be back with Unlocking the Truth podcast in January. Thank you for listening, and have a great week.